yeah, obviously we, we know today is September 11th, um, 21 years ago, something catastrophic happened to, uh, to the United States, to uh, probably people we even know. Uh, I am not going to spend an abundance of time focusing on statistics um, and uh, recalling uh, instances of tragedy. If you see some of the pictures I'll have, it is mainly on people, okay, first responders. I didn't want to show pictures of the tower. Uh, those of you that have grown up and you were kids, you probably heard your parents talk about it. Uh, some of you uh, weren't even born at the time. Uh, some of us have had loved ones already passed away that have had a chance to process uh, this situation. Uh, what I do want to talk about is how we are called as God's people to be the first responders to the world. A uh, first responder is a person that lives a lifestyle of being on call, of a readiness to take whatever action is needed that they are trained to do and run into the face of danger. If you start watching some of the clips of 9-11, you're going to see a lot of people running away from what we called uh, ground zero. And uh, a lot of the workers that were there called it the pit. And uh, some people are standing, crying, uh, are in awe, and then the towers come down and they, they take off running again. But there's a group of people, uh, and some of them weren't even paid uh, first responders, that were running to the place of what was happening. And sometimes you can hear them say, run, run for your life. Get out of here. And some of them went into that whole situation and knew there was a chance they may not come out. There was uh, audio of uh, one of the uh, men that was on the flight that I believe crashed into Sanksville, uh, um, Pittsburgh. I mean, excuse me, Pennsylvania. And uh, he called his spouse and and he said something to the effect of we're probably not going to make it back. And uh, you heard him in the background and said, let's go. Uh, a first responder doesn't live a life of taking things for granted. You know, when I was in the 82nd Airborne, uh, we were told we could be anywhere in the world in 18 hours. Uh, we were on what they called, they called what they called DRF, Defense Ready Force, and you would have what they call DRF-1, for instance, and you would have to be within an hour from base, and if you get a, this is back when they had pagers, you got paged, and uh, my dad used to, he worked in this place called the Vault when he was in the Navy, and a lot of uh, sensitive information would come to and from Washington, D.C. to Norfolk, Virginia. And I, I don't know if this was after he retired or when he was close to retirement, and he wasn't supposed to call, but moms and dads do sometimes when they're worried. And he said, son, keep your head in the sand. And then he hung up. And then later on, I get this text, uh, me and a friend of mine, uh, Hernandez, was at Subway, and uh, 
I know my mind, I was, I was thinking about what he was saying, and uh, I ordered a meatball sub with mayonnaise, lettuce, tomato, and onion. And I, that was the last thing I had stateside. And the next thing I know, when Pedro goes off, what I think, I think, okay, at the time we're talking about Honduras. So what ends up happening is we get to what they call the core lock, uh, core marshalling area. All the barbed wire is pointing inward. So people are probably going to try to run. And so I thought, oh, what's the dad talking about? Well, next thing I know, uh, these boxes get open and it's desert camouflage. And that's not Honduras. So I'm like, oh my gosh, where are we going to go? You know, uh, I don't know where you were during 9-11. Some of you can kind of remember what was going on when you saw the pictures and what was happening. I was working for a U.S. Express. I was a truck driver. I spent enough time to realize I am not good at driving truck. Uh, I don't even know why they gave me the license. Okay? I gave it back. I actually got kicked out of a town in North Carolina. Okay? And, uh, but I was coming... Back over the Rockies, I was on the East Coast, I was coming over the Rockies, heading east, and I had my radio off because truck drivers that like to stay up uh, tend to argue. And I was like, I don't want to listen to this. So I cut it off. Well, as I'm coming over the mountain, I start looking, and all the trucks are pulling off the highway, and all the uh, truck stops are filling up. So I said, I better cut this on. So I cut it on, and everybody said, you guys got to move over, go back, park. They're telling us to get off the highways. And so when I got off and went into a truck, to truck stop, I went to the trucker's lounge. All of a sudden, I saw the pictures. I saw them on the widescreen. Back then, I think widescreen was new, too. And uh, I, I just couldn't believe it. And I called my wife, and I said, you and the boys, get, get the boys, get out of school. I don't know what's going on. I mean... Who knows if they have trucks now? You know, they're telling us to pull off. And uh, so when you're li- you don't know what's going to happen. You live, but you live in a, uh, a stage of preparation. I really feel for those, especially uh, police officers. If you know a first responder, whether still active or retired, Thank them. We don't really know what they go through, whether it's a paramedic, an emergency person, uh, uh, a, a firefighter, you know, a, a police officer. We don't know what they go through until something happens to us or a neighbor. It doesn't cross our mind. And now, just recently, we're starting to realize these people need help too. Their ministries aimed at helping them. Normally, there's a chaplain that's attached to the group. But now there's ministries that are trying to help these people. And they need our prayers, and they need our respect, and they need our help. And oftentimes we forget, and we can't, we shouldn't. You know, there are times that I don't think. You know, what do I say? When, I, when someone's uh, speeding, I go, where's the cops when you need them? We don't have a donut place in this area, right? 
But that was the joke. But here's the thing. People are going through their own personal 9-11 right now. It could be a loss of a family member. It could be a, a, a marriage breaking up. It could be a son or a daughter that's hooked on drugs. It could be a loved one or someone, a neighbor that's going through depression, that's thinking about suicide. And what they could be very well thinking is, where is that person to help me right now? You are God's first responders. Now, I didn't finish this sermon until about 2 o'clock this morning. Because I woke up and was startled that I forgot a specific scripture that I told Pastor Rex I was going to use. And I said, there's something missing. And I'm going to share it with you so I don't have a slide for it. But if you turn to Matthew 9, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. And if you have your cell phone, go ahead and use that too, please. I'm easier with the, me. I, it's faster with me using a cell phone because my pages are like onion thin. And uh, it's so hard for me. You know, I, I try to go to Matthew. Next thing you know, I'm all the way in like Mark. So please. But let's read God's word together. So this is uh, uh, the New Living Translation. Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. The need for workers. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Did you know if you're a Christian, if you profess that you follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have placed your faith in him? This is what he's talking about. You're you're an answer to prayer. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, I shared this with the the first uh, service. Uh, I either like to stand at the very front when we worship or the very back because I blubber. Okay, I start crying. And I notice where the things are, where the, the neck, what do you call these things? Thank you, God bless you. Tissues. All right, I want to keep them near me or at least in my pocket. And I'm like, oh, you know, and because and wor- worship for me is one of my spiritual disciplines. I love to worship. That's, that's just me. You might like to journal, okay? But worship, it, it helps fast, foster my faith. So I'm, I'm standing there, and I'm worshiping God, and, and next thing I, I totally forgot Rex was going to come up and say something. Next thing I know, Rex is standing right next to me, and I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to go, hey, uh, it's, it's my allergies. <laughs> yeah, but no, it doesn't work that way. You, you need to know that you are somebody's first responder. You have, been, you have been prayed for. God has chosen you, each one of you, to fill a role in this world 
that has decay, devastation, sin, corruption. Now, we don't like to hear that. We like to come, and don't get me wrong, I love coming on Sunday. I love being with my brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I was, I was sitting right there, and I was smiling at my brother playing the bass, and he was like, look, I'm sure he was like, is there, what's wrong with me? And I'm like, and I was like, dude, I just love y'all. You know, it's like, you guys are awesome. You know what I mean? I mean? Because they're leading us in worship. They're fulfilling a role that God has called them to do. But there's, this is just Sunday morning. There's so much more for us throughout the week. The blessings that we can give by serving other people and the blessings we get by serving other people. There's so much more for us to get and to give as we serve God and become one of these needed workers. This this statistic of 80-20 and 90-10 should not exist in the church. It really shouldn't. In my years of being a church leader and pastoring, I I would walk with uh, people and I would notice, I have seen people burn out. I have myself burnt out when at some point in time and had to just stop everything for a week and seek attention. I mean, major attention. They had to reevaluate me. And so I would come alongside a brother or sister and I would say, and they would share with me, I'm burnt out. And I'd say, then you need to quit. And they did not like to hear that. But what's going to happen if I, what, yeah, I'm like, you, do you not think that God can't do something? You know, one of the greatest things a pastor said to me is, Ramon, you are not the Holy Spirit. And bam, it was like that. I call it two-by-four prayer. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) because I was leaving my family at 2 o'clock in the morning. You guys might think everything happens with 2 o'clock in the morning. Maybe it does. But a friend of mine would call. He was having trouble with drugs. I would help people that were were struggling with, uh, you know, all kinds of things. And they would call me, knew that I would get up in the middle of the night, go over there and try to help them. And, he, and, and it was ruining me and my family and, and my work schedule. And he was like, you can't do it. You can't save everyone. And that's sometimes what I have to say to people that overextend themselves. And what happens is when she stopped, it was within a week someone came up to her and said, thank you. She didn't know the conversation we had. She came up to that uh, my, my, my sister in Christ and said, thank you for stopping. Because if you didn't stop, I would have thought that you kept wanting to do it. I, I, I would, but I want to do it. So tell me, walk with me for a month or two. And then it's, you, you know, you're free to relax for a little while. Even Jesus took a break. I don't think he took a sabbatical. But don't hold that against me. If Rex needs a sabbatical, he needs one, right? But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we need workers, but sometimes the workers need rest. And some, sometimes those of us that have chosen not to need to step up. This is not about guilt. This is about truth. This is about a calling. This is about your purpose.
So let's look at the next one. So what's, so what's the real crisis? The real crisis. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of, the, of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. That's Ephesians 6, verses 12 through 13. Uh, a very good friend of mine, he was a mentor, a spiritual mentor for me, especially when I was going through uh, uh, college and get my master's degree in, in theology. Uh, he was a uh, state trooper in New York, and in Buff- he was in Buffalo. And when this all came down, they mobilized all the surrounding units to go into New York, downtown, to where all this was happening, and he was one of them. And he was, he was focused on trying to do what was necessary to help get people out. I mean, when you're, when you're in that situation, I mean, you, you need to be focused. But um, one of the things that really disturbed him, and uh, he started listening to some of the stuff that was being said. And don't get me wrong, anger is part of grief. There's a thing called righteous anger. Anger is not a sin. He says, the word says, do not, sit, do not sin in your anger. So anger is, uh, there's a proper place for it. There's a proper time for it. What is the proper reaction to it? But he heard stuff like, we're going to go over there, we're going to get them. Did you know that since this time, we have been in the longest engagement of warfare the United States has ever seen. When I was in Desert Shield, Desert Storm, uh, we had a chance to go north up the highway and just, to me, say, okay, let's just get rid of Saddam now. And uh, we were told that we we're going home. And I was convinced that, I was like, if we don't do something now, we're going to be, something's going to happen in about 10 years. Now, I'm not a prophet, you know, but something happened. And uh, so I had those issues. I had those feelings. You wonder, you know, and, 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 and so the, 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 it's, you know, to, to react against something that's material, that you could put your hands on, that's that's, that's natural. That's, the na- that's man's way. I want to do something to this. I, I need something to get a hold of. But here, God is telling us that our fight isn't against flesh and blood. It's about the dark powers. If you are a Christian and you believe in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is spiritual, you might want to start deciding whether or not there is a demonic side because it's all through the Bible. Jesus even casted out demons. And that is our first and foremost battle. But sometimes when we pray, we go, hey, you know, even pastors have problems sometimes. You know, we're, we're not above everybody else. 
church leaders have it. Oh, yeah, let's pray before we start. Did we forget to pray? Or sometimes we pray, or, or people pray, Christians pray, and it's like you, you almost want to put a stamp of approval on what you're getting ready to do. We got our plan. Let's run it by the boss. <laughs> All right, let's go do it. When you pray, you are submitting yourself to the sovereignty of God. You are saying you are in charge. You have all the power. I will follow your lead. Give me wisdom. Jesus even prayed prayed to the Father and said, if you will, take this cup from me. Deliver it from me. But if it is your will, let your will be done. There is power in prayer because the prayer is going to the one that is powerful. We're supposed to be proactive, not reactive. As Christians, to be proactive, you, 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 you love that person that you, you would say that was your enemy. If you have, if I'm getting ready to say this, think about this, okay? My wife and I, have tended to become friends with those people in the workplace that other people don't like or think they are very mean. Okay, I had uh, this sister uh, in Christ. uh, I'm not going to say her name. But if you were to look at her, you would say, I don't want to meet her in a dark alley. Okay, you're like, no way. Am I meeting her in a dark alley? But God impressed me because I started realizing there were a lot of other people that don't want to be in that same alley. But God impressed on me that someone's got to befriend this woman. She became one of my greatest sisters. She just looked mad. You know, same thing with my wife. She, next thing you know, we're, we're, we're becoming friends with people that don't normally have Friends, just because the way they look, or sometimes the way they say things, and and next thing you know, uh, uh, there. And this is no pat on us. This is the pat on the glory of God. This glory goes to Him because if it wasn't for Him and His Holy Spirit indwelling in us, we wouldn't see the things that He sees. Next thing you know, these people are reaching out. Can you pray for me? Hey, I got a question about the Bible. Why? Why does this doesn't seem to make sense to me? And I would share with them, hey, you know what? You know I'm a Christian. You know, I be- you, believe- you-, you know that I say to me that this is complete truth. The answer I'm going to give you is going to come from here. And if you don't like it, we'll keep talking about it. But know this is where it's, where it's coming from. But that's the real crisis. And sometimes we don't get past that. I told the first service I was tailgated. I cannot stand getting tailgated. I don't know. Some of you guys might feel the same way as I do. Okay, cannot stand it. Uh, I pulled out in front of this vehicle. Okay, if you guys are going to shoot me and stone me, just give me a running start. I don't run very far anymore. Okay, so you're probably going to get me. But uh, Northwest Ohio drivers are pretty crazy. Uh, Stop signs are just in a someone's opinion. But I pulled out and this person was way back. And there was a car between me and this person and the car turned. And I was like, I was like, man, this, this person's probably doing eight miles an hour. So I 
cranked it up to like 60, 60 plus. I'm on a 55. I'm on two. Heading back into Wasion. I was coming out of Essen House. Okay, for some of you that live in the area. And next thing I know, that van is on me. I could have checked his oil. <laughs> I mean, I just, you need oil, buddy. You know, boom, right on me. And then if it wasn't for this scripture, I'm not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world. This reminded me something's happening. Something's happening or has happened in the past in this person's life that has brought him. Now, I'm not excusing a person's uh, personal responsibilities or choices or the consequences of those choices. But it made me realize there's something beyond this. And now how am I going to act? So what did I do? I took my uh, rearview mirror and I cranked it and just started praying. Now, sometimes people will see that rearview mirror getting cranked and they realize what's happening. And I think that's what happened. But, uh, yeah, that's our real crisis. That's our real crisis. The other thing is the diversion. Satan and the demons, they want you to look at what's this over here versus what they're doing over here. They know the power of God. And we should too. So loving others. 1 John 3, 16 through 18. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. One of the things that I loved about the church when I first came here was the fact of the simplicity of when I looked at the website. Oh, by the way, your website is the front door to your church. People need to understand that. That's where most visitors go when they're trying to check out a church. And you guys say, love, love God, love others. And I was like, whoa, that's simple. That's powerful. I like simple. I like powerful. You know? Do you know that love is an action word? In the Bible, throughout the word, love is usually used as a means of action. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Okay, guys, I'm not very bright. You know, one of the things that uh, Pastor uh, Rex had been sharing with us last week and uh, it was about being salt and light. I'm the strange kid that took a salt shaker and I would put water on the very top. Take the cap off. Guys, don't, don't do this. Just, I mean, if you're an impressionable, impressionable child or adult, <laughs> don't take water and put it inside the salt shaker because it will harden. And then you put it back. And then when someone tends to go use it, they're going like this. And nothing's coming out. 
I did it all the time. Okay. Finally, someone caught on. My mom was 4'10", and she was 6'11", with a belt. Okay. And, uh, and she was 4'10", with us, roller skates. Okay. But uh, if you love, like the Bible says, you're to love. You love in action, like Christ loved in action. When I got married, I, you know, we bring a lot of baggage and habits into your marriage. And some of those you don't want to change. I hated fixing my bed. The only way, the only reason why I did it when I was in the military is because I would get in major trouble if I didn't. Okay, but when I got married, I was like, I don't need to fix my bed, right? Well, I found out, I didn't know. Something happened to my wife. She's normally a pretty peaceful person, but boy, she became like the Tasmanian devil. And she, she can slug one. I mean, she's got, oof. And uh, I wasn't fixing the bed. And then something, I think it was the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and said, if you love her, you're going to fix that bed. So I was like, you know what, maybe I should fix that bed. So guess what? I fixed that bed. She wasn't a Tasmanian devil anymore. She was awesome. She was so sweet. My love language is words of affirmation. Boy, did she start affirming me. You know, you're a great husband. You know, oh, thank you so much. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, all I had to do was fix the bed. Then I started cleaning the bathroom, doing the dishes. I will not put dishes away. I even tried to do the laundry. I am not allowed to do that anymore. I ruined her sweater, her favorite sweater. Okay, all I get to do is my, my personals. Okay, but she, no, no, I mean, but you know, you love somebody, you love somebody, you, 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 you show them that you love them. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Love is action. And it's not easy. It's taking that first step. It's taking that first step. What will that first step be? I'm not trying to be here to guilt you. I'm trying to be here to share the truth with you, God's truth. Because we have to love one another. And to show that love, my action is to be uh, sharing the love of, of this word with you. Whether I feel like I'm going to get stoned or not. Hey, you know, Jesus almost got stoned, so hey, that's not a bad group to be in. But we need to love each other and show it in truth of our actions. We're created to serve. 1 Peter 4, verses 10 through 11. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? I think that's not the gift of gab. It's the gift of speaking. Someone say amen. Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Bring glory to God. 
When you became a child of God, God gave you, he didn't wait a year for you to get your first birthday present. You got a birthday present. The Holy Spirit gave you a present. He gave you gifts. Some of you got, may, have, may have gotten one gift. Some of you gave, may have gotten a few gifts. You know, we have a couple over here. Uh, he's been given the gift of playing a bass. His wife has been given a gift of uh, playing an instrument and singing. Don't hold that against her. I'm jealous of both of you. <laughs> but we're all given gifts. Helps. Speaking. Teaching. You know, Josh and I were talking in the, uh, yeah, you just looked up, didn't you, brother? Uh, we're talking in the uh, uh, foyer, and he said, we're going to talk about Barnabas tonight. And in my mind, it was like, bam, Barnabas, he's the encourager. That's what his name means. And most people know Paul, but if it wasn't for Barnabas, it wasn't for Barnabas, Paul wouldn't be where he is, writing letters, planning churches, So to some of us, Barnabas may have been nobody, but to God, he was somebody. God used him mightily. God can use each one of you mightily. Mightily. In this church, outside of these walls, in your community, mightily. With the gifts that you have been given. And guess what? It's for his glory. Through Jesus Christ. Forever. And when we put that in, 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 in perspective of how it's supposed to be, you can't stop that. Brothers and sisters, I love you. I want you to see the blessings that you can bring on somebody's life and that can be given, you, given to you, even if it might be persecution or oppression. Jesus says, praise God if it happens to you. Because that means you're doing what, at times what's right. Because the world is not going to be happy with that. It convicts the world. But sometimes, if you do it, that's what you're going to see. But no, you have been given a purpose. You were created to serve. This one of the reasons why I have this picture here is you have a fireman, you have a, 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 something like a police officer, but if you see two people helping, they weren't, they were acting as first responders, but I don't, I'm not sure. I mustn't think that they were trained. You know, when I was a pastor, I had people say, well, you know, it, it happens. You know what? You haven't come over to visit me. I haven't seen you in a while. And what I wanted to do, and I did during, uh, what's it called? Uh, COVID, I cannot believe I forgot that name. Yeah, I told you I don't, I like things simple. COVID, right? I took the church and I split them up because the elders, there weren't enough elders. And we split up the, what's the, the congregation. And we say, okay, you guys got these people. You got this people. You got this people. Call them, call them. I don't care what you say. Order them a pizza. Just call them. Let them hear your voice. Be the church. Reach out to them. You're created to serve. And it could be in a, what you might think is a small capacity, might be the greatest capacity that this person has ever had in their whole life. 
and the glory goes to God through Jesus Christ. Selfishness, excuse me, self-sacrifice over selfishness. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the, the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. He kept his eyes on God. When, when you focus your eyes on Christ to become like Christ, whatever you're focusing your eyes on and your mind on, you will become like. That's why uh, music is so powerful. That's why music is so powerful. You're bringing it into your mind. Images. You know, I used to love a good horror film growing up. Don't ask me to watch certain horror films now. Me and my wife can't do it. Because it's like, all the gore and all that stuff, first of all, it brings back bad memories and other things. It's just like, what, what am I doing? I could be spending my time doing this or doing that. Uh, so why do I still self, say self-sacrifice? Because Jesus lived a, li- a life of self-sacrifice. He sacrificed himself. He didn't live a life of selfishness. And that's for you guys to determine. I, I do not want to be the one to say, you know, you, if you make this much money, you're supposed to tie this much money. If you, if you are spending so much time in uh, sports, you're supposed to get rid of one sport and, and have put some more time into the church. Hey, you know, that's between you and God. That is between you and God. You just need to take the time out and pray and consider. And, 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 and maybe even talk to a brother and sister that you respect in, in the maturity of, uh, of their walk and their faith and say, where, where, where do you think I am? What do you, what do you think I should do? All right, I don't want to put Rex on the spot, but call Rex. <laughs> I love you, buddy. <laughs> I speak to Rex all the time, and he's probably getting tired of it. But, uh, you know, come on now. We are here for just, the Bible says we are like a vapor. In the scheme of eternity, we're like a vapor. You know, uh, when I, someone has shared with me, you know, if you go into a cemetery and you look at the birth date and the date of death, what happened with the dash? Because that dash is what separates birth and death. What is your dash? Is your dash uh, about self-sacrifice? And when I say self-sacrifice, I'm not talking, no, Jesus said, hey, sell your stuff. You know, if you believe that the Spirit's telling, hey, sell all your stuff, come follow me. You know, if you hold a garage sale, don't tell my wife. Because that's, well, if you do, at least tell me, because that's where I'll find her. She might hear this. 
But uh, yeah, self-sacrifice. We don't wash feet anymore. <laughs> That's a self-sacrifice. You know, we don't wash feet anymore. It's humility. It's servanthood. I don't know, maybe it's something we should bring back. To serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. To serve other people. So lastly, love and action in the Bible. Did you realize, and maybe I've already said it, love and action in the Bible. If you look at the Bible, I I am not a... English major, or I'm not very good at grammar. Like I said, I can speak very little, if any, Spanish, and I struggle with English, okay? (laughs) When I read, I got to read something like three or four times in English to comprehend it. But here's here's these two things that you you need to remember, and and they're scriptures that you've heard before. John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. So God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So God loved the world. He loved action. He gave his son. He gave his son. God is the perfect leader. He leads by example. He's not going to, he's holy, he's righteous, he's, and that's the way he wants us to be. He wants us to be holy and righteous and perfect like him. He's not going to call us down a road of something that he would not himself want. Jesus said, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I loved you. So Jesus modeled love. He did action. He fed them. He cared for him. He walked with them. He talked with him. He slept there with them. He rested with them. There was no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 15, 12, 13. Action, love. One of the things that Pastor Rex had stated that I had said last sermon, and I don't want to forget it. We have two services. I was at a church that had three. Okay. And one of the major issues we had was people didn't know each other. I mean, to, and it's just seating dynamics. Okay, and not everybody's cursed with being an extrovert like me. Okay. Uh, The people over here may not know the people over here. And there's not a set of tracks that run down the middle of this. You know, and the people that greet people tend to be the people that kind of know people. But they near the people that are at their service. You know, I think if you really want a good laugh, go to another service and sit on another side. Or go to the same service and sit on the different, another different side. And see how many people go, are you new? <laughs> I know that's funny, isn't it? But it's, it's the truth. Rex loves us. He doesn't want that to be the way it is. We got the Acts 2 crew. They want to work around that. Because the thing is, 
you may be going through your own personal crisis right now. Or you may be wanting to help a brother and sister in Christ through a personal crisis. But until you get to know that person on a personal level, you won't know. They won't be comfortable telling you. You've got to find out who they are. You've got to love them. You have to take sometimes the first step in action. And, you know, I, I'm not going to be the one to say this is what you got to do first. No, the Holy Spirit is our guide. That's why Jesus left, you know, and sent the Holy Spirit. So, so think about it. How will you respond as the salt and light to the world around you in its darkness and decay? You are the salt and light. How are you going to respond? Okay. All right, will the uh, uh, band come in, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your awesome word, for your wisdom and inspiring the writers to record it for us, your disciples, today. Lord, let us see what you need us to see through your eyes. Give us the boldness to live out your will and to be like Christ to those that are hurting around us. Help us to be aware, help us to serve, and to love in action. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.